0: Good evening. How's everybody doing? It's almost Easter. Anybody excited? Amen. Amen. Great things are happening here at Woodland. I'm excited. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about what it means to serve God. And I want you to ask yourself a couple questions in your head. Have you ever asked yourself what it really means to serve God? Have you ever wondered, how does God receive glory when we serve him? If you have, don't worry because you're not alone. From July 26 to August 7th, 1971, the eyes of millions of Americans were on the Apollo 15 mission. You may remember the astronauts were David R. Scott and James B. Irwin, who landed on the moon and spent 18 of their 66 hours outside the spacecraft. They covered over 17 miles of the surface in a specialized vehicle that people dubbed the moon buggy. Upon returning to Earth, James Irwin, who was a professed believer, declared, as I was returning to Earth, I realized that I'm not a celebrity, but a servant. So I am here as God's servant on planet Earth to share what I have experienced that others may know the glory of God. Many of us may never attain the status of James B. Irwin, but I think we all can have that spirit that he possessed, the spirit of a servanthood. We've all been through different experiences in our lives, and I think that we all can say, that I am here as God's servant on planet Earth to share what I have experienced that God, that, may, that others may know the glory of God. I think that's a wonderful example and a wonderful quote of what it means to serve God. So what does the Bible say about what it means to serve God? If we can stand up and we'll read the word of God. It's from 1 Peter 4:10 through 11 God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts Use them well to serve one another Do you have the gift of speaking then speak as though God himself were speaking through you Do you have the gift of helping others do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You may sit. Thank you. (laughs) So here Peter's making it very clear that we have all received our gifts from God for two purposes. Those two purposes are to serve others and to bring praise to God. You see, serving God is not about us receiving attention or glory. It is for him to receive glory. It's not about us, it's about him. In the New Testament, when the word glory is used, it usually means to give honor, to give praise and worship. So when we do this, we will find that glorifying God means that we acknowledge his greatness and give him honor by praising and worshiping him, primarily because he and he alone deserves to be honored, praised, and worshipped. I know that in this world we live in, there's a great misconception of what it means to serve God. This misconception is that once you serve, once you decide to serve God. You should expect to live a sad and boring life. Anybody ever hear that before? I know I have. And I've talked to so many people in my life that continuously tell me I'm not going to go to church, I'm not going to read the Bible, I don't even want to believe in God because I'll have to give up too much of what I'm doing in my life. I'm having a great life the way that I am. And I don't need to be a Christian. Has anybody ever heard that one? But that's not what serving God is all about. And we know this. It's completely the opposite of what they think. Serving God is a great privilege and it leads us into the joy and enthusiasm and then we can have an enjoyable life. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalms 100 verse 2. And it says, Serve the Lord with gladness come into his presence with singing. I'm not going to sing. I'm a drummer, so don't worry about that. But we need to serve the Lord with gladness and we need to come into his presence singing joyfully, a joyful life. So I'm going to ask you, are you serving the Lord with gladness? Or are you serving the Lord with an unwilling spirit or with the murmuring and grumbling heart. Because you're really not serving the Lord wholeheartedly if you feel you have to. If you feel that it's a duty to have to do that. Whenever I think about serving God with grumbling or how some people say that, you know, we have to do different rules and regulations I always think of that story of Cinderella that comes to my mind. I always picture there a young girl in a tattered dress with worn-out shoes and her hair tied behind her back with some of the strands coming loose as she worked to carry out the commands of her selfish and abusive stepmother and stepsisters. You see, Cinderella's services are not performed out of love, but they're performed out of duty like she has to. Her actions are there, but her motivation does not come from the heart. Cinderella does not worship or even love her masters. She serves them only because it's her duty and she has to. And for those of us who follow Jesus, serving God is not like Cinderella at all. It's not intended to be a duty that we must fulfill in order to maintain our position or to move up in status. You see, God is our Father, and He loves us, and He cares about us, and we were created by Him to serve Him. And we can find so much joy in serving Him. And we as passionate followers of Christ should aim to make ourselves servants of God to honor and glorify him because of what he's done for us. In 1st Samuel 12:24 it says, "But be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him." Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. Think of all the wonderful things that he's done for you and I. And when we focus on all that God has done for us, our service to him can flow from the heart of gratitude, not from a feeling of duty or obligation. You see, God wants us to serve him with a sincere heart. In Joshua 24, 14, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers, serve beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. The first part of that kind of confuses some people sometimes. It says, now therefore fear the Lord. And we see that a lot in the Bible. And so it's not a fear that we have like a trembling fear that we're afraid. Like when Daniel or one of my kids do something wrong and they kind of fear me. (laughs) It's not that type of fear, a fear that you've done something wrong and your parents are going to find out or somebody else is going to find out. It's not that type of fear. It's a reverence for God. And so when we fear the Lord in complete reverence to him, we can serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And when we begin to serve God with a sincere heart, It is then that we can start serving others. We are called to serve God by serving others. Many think that you have to be only a pastor or a missionary or be called to serve God by serving others, but that's not the case at all. We have all been called as Christians to serve others. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. I think that's a perfect example of how to serve one another. Serve one another in love. So in Galatians 5.13, we see three insights that Paul gives us here. The first is the basis of serving others is salvation. Paul says that we are called to live in freedom. We cannot truly serve God until we have been set free in Jesus. It's not until we have experienced the transforming power of God's grace in our lives that we can truly say that we are free. We become free from the bondage of sin And we lose the bad habits, and we let go of the hurt that we've all had. And that's good news, isn't it? Secondly, Paul is telling us that there's a barrier to serving others. And that barrier is our own sinful nature. It's in our own selfishness that we don't find a time to serve others. We begin to become more interested in ourselves, in our own agendas, in our own dreams, in our own pleasures. How many times has somebody asked you to help them out with something and you have found every reason that you can not to help? Because you wanted to do something else that would fulfill your pleasures and your selfishness. I've done it so many times. But that's our own selfishness and our sinful nature that's coming out. And so that's what Paul's talking about, that that's a barrier to serving others. Thirdly, Paul gives us the motive for serving others. And that motive is to serve one another in love. When we let go of that barrier, that sinful, selfish desire that we have, then we can serve one another in love. Serving one another in love is the key to building community and also the key to building relationships. In 1 Corinthians 13.3, it says, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You see, God is very interested in our motivations and how we serve others. Our motivation to serve others makes us want to serve others well, makes us want to serve others in love. And he looks at our heart and he wants us to serve and love others willingly and with gratitude. Another way that we are able to serve God is we can serve God with our gifts. In Romans 12, 3-8, it says, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Every single one of us has been given spiritual gifts. And it's our job as Christians to use those gifts. And when we use our spiritual gifts to give glory to God... We are serving him. That's how we can serve him, with our gifts. When we use our gifts that he has given us. And we're also helping grow the body of Christ. I don't know uh, how many people have ever heard of uh, John Maxwell. But I found a quote from him, and I really love it. And it says, When you find your spiritual gift... God will give you an opportunity to use it. So you might ask yourself, well, how can I find my spiritual gift? I'm glad you asked. One thing I love about Woodland Church is that I love the fact that our church offers a way for us to help you discover and find your spiritual gifts through discovering your ministry. In this class, Heinz does a wonderful job of teaching it. Amen. How many people have been in his class? (laughs) Best day ever. (sighs) So in the class, you will take a spiritual gifts test to help you discover your gifts that God has given to you. You'll also take a personality test to discover your personality traits and how you work. And then it's followed up with a shape test, which means spiritual gifts, heart abilities, personality, and experiences. And so Woodland Church will do everything that we can to help you find a joyful ministry to help you go out and serve others with love, and serve each other well. We can also serve God with our family. I'm going to go back to Joshua 24. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. It's a very well-known uh, Bible verse. and It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness, Put away the gods of your fathers, serve beyond the river in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So the context of this is that we see Joshua, he's older. He's getting old up in age. He knows he's getting ready to face that final time that he's going to be on earth here. And he's declaring as he sends the people out, and he knows that he can't make those choices for them. But he's going to stand on what he believes and what his family believes. And they're going to serve the Lord, he says. One thing that we can learn from Joshua in this part of Scripture is that you are never too old to serve the Lord. Joshua did not retire. You didn't see Joshua in a rocking chair, rocking back and forth, telling other people what to do and how to do ministry. And one thing that I know about Pastor Clanton and I've always known about him is that this is the heart that Pastor Clanton has. He said that many times that he wants to die preaching the word of God, just like Joshua. He's not going to retire. I can't see Pastor sitting in a rocking chair back and forth saying, oh, I wish I was preaching tonight. I can't see it. And I don't want to be like that either. As long as I'm on the earth here I'm going to preach the word of God. So Joshua is a great model of how to do ministry. Joshua is calling the people to commit to serving the one true God. It's like Joshua is telling them, I can't tell you what to do. All I'm going to tell you is what I'm going to do and what my household is going to do and we're going to serve the Lord. And we do this with our children too. They grow up in our house. We feed them. We give them a place to sleep. We send them to school. We send them to church with us. We read the Bible with them. We do devotionals. And then we send them out into the real world. And we have to remind them that we built a foundation of faith for you in our house. And even though we can no longer decide once you move out what you will do, but we always let them know that in our house, we will serve the Lord. And so we can impart that on to our children. And then our children will hopefully impart that on to their children. We can also serve God with our faith. If you remember the story in Acts 3 of the lame beggar that was healed at the gate of the temple that was called the Beautiful Gate. And I'll tell you briefly about it to remind you it was Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. And they found a man who was at the temple gate who was lame from birth. And so Peter and John told the man to look at them. And then Peter declared to him that they have no silver and gold to give him. But Peter did say that what I have to give you is this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You know, that man got up and he walked and he leaped And he was praising God. He had faith. And when we serve the Lord, he fundamentally transforms our lives, our church, and our community. And when we serve God with our faith, we're able to meet the needs of others. So if you get that picture in your mind of Peter and John they're doing what they always do they're going to the temple it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon they're going on their normal routine their daily lives but something else caught their attention or I should say someone else caught their attention it was this man who had a great need if you think about it how many people do you think walked by this man and just walked by him and didn't care That this man was sitting there. Goes back to that, I have a hundred thousand other things to do. I don't have time for this, right? This was a man who had a great need. He was lame from birth. But then you think about it, that we read in the text is that this man thinks he knows what he needs. He thinks that he needs money. But he has a much deeper need He needed the indwelling power of the Spirit of God in his life, just like we do today. If we think about it, today we think that we need everything else except for what we really need. And that's Jesus. When we serve God in faith, it can be a life-changing experience. You see, this man's life was different because he met these men that day. Peter said to him, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The people were astounded by him getting up and walking. And what did he do the first moment that he did that he was able to walk? He praised the Lord. He was so happy. He got up, he walked, he leapt. For joy. And everyone noticed that this man was different after this encounter. I've said it several times in my other times of, of being up here. When you have that changed life, you're different, and people notice that you're different. We're not perfect, but we're different. I think I've told you before about people at work, when I used to be a police officer, they would say, Oh, we miss the old, Keith. We miss the old way. But they noticed a difference. They noticed a change in my life. And that's because I had that encounter with Jesus. And so he was different after this encounter. It's because Peter and John took the time to help this man who was in need. They were on their way to worship, but they were not too busy to stop and give this man a life-changing experience. It was a divine appointment that was ordained by God. How many times have we walked by people who were in need or who we knew needed to hear about Jesus and we kind of just shrugged it off? I know a lot of people say, oh, I'm not going to tell that person about my faith. I'm not going to tell that person about Jesus. He's too far gone. Nobody's too far gone for the Lord. And so we have to take that time and those opportunities that we are given to change people's lives. Because serving God in faith means to meet people where they are, at their point of need, and offer them the life changing mes- message of the gospel. We, as passionate followers of Christ, have been called to meet the needs of people so that we can lead them to Jesus. We then see that once Peter and John met the needs of this man, God gave them the opportunity to tell others about Jesus. And Peter used this example and power of a changed life to point others to the source of that power, which was Jesus Christ. Peter addressed the people because they were in awe of what just happened. And Peter told them in Acts 3.16 how this man could now walk. He said, Through faith in the name of Jesus this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. So you don't need a lot of you just need to use the faith that you have. There's several ways that we can serve God. And one of the ways is that we need to invest in other people. Galatians 5.15 says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbors as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Christians looking to share Christ can begin by forming relationships with people around them. I talked about that last time I was up here, about how we should form relationships with people that we work with so that we can talk to them about Jesus. And it's the same way now, every day, in in our daily lives. We can do anything. We can ask them about their day. If you see somebody that you know, ask them about their day. Compliment them on their outfit that they're wearing. Or sometimes it just simply takes a moment just to listen to somebody. Don't walk up to somebody and say, hey, how was your day? Oh, that's great, good, thanks. Don't do that listen to them hear what they have to say I think we get too used to that it's by investing in other people that we we are open to their that we open their hearts to the prompting of the Holy Spirit if you think about it in our daily lives we interact with so many people have you ever sat down and thought about how many people you actually interacted with today alone? So get to know the people, especially the people that you see daily, weekly. Get to know people. When you go to the grocery store, if you see the same person every day or all, every week that you go to the store, get to know them. Ask them how it's going. When you go to restaurants, I love going to the restaurant with Pastor Clanton, although we haven't been to the restaurant in a while. But at Big Bear, everybody knows him. And everybody comes over and talks to him. and Because he invests in people's lives. He loves the people, he loves the community. When you're getting your hair cut. I know for me, it's always been very, very odd for me to sit in the chair and have the barber asking me, how's your day, and I kind of, yeah, good. I, I, I just, I always had a hard time interacting with people that way. I don't know if it was because of my job, but that was, that, that's kind of how I was. I'm trying to learn more to interact with people, so I went and got a haircut yesterday, or Tuesday, yeah, yesterday, and the lady kept asking me questions, and I'm just like thinking, you know, I, I engaged with her, I talked to her, that's how we should be. We should try to get to know the people that we interact with all the time. We can also serve God in our community. In Acts 1:8 it says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Find places in our community right here where we can serve people. There's so many of them. Find a homeless shelter to go to. Find a pro-life pregnancy care center that you can go to and you can help people. And you can say, hey, what can I do for you? I have a weekend off or I have a day off. Can I help you with something? Go somewhere where you know that there might be sick children and just go and sit with the parents and pray with them and talk to them and encourage them. You can also go to help the elderly People that you know, neighbors in your community that you know might have a hard time with snow or grass. Go ask them if they need help. That's how we can serve the people in our community. Thirdly, we can serve God in the church. I'm going to go back to the first uh, verse, or the first passage of Scripture I read, 1 Peter four ten and 11. And I'm going to read that again. God has given each of you, each of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Everything that you do in your life, in your daily life will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. There's several ways that we can serve God in our church. You can sign up to help with Zones. You can call up and say, hey, I got a day off. Can I come and I help you clean out the parking lot uh, before church services? Or you can join an outreach team. Offer to babysit for parents so that they can have a night out. Just like we're having Easter extravaganza this weekend. We're always looking for people to help out with that. We have a lot of holiday stuff here at Woodland that we do, a lot of events during the summer for the children, for the community. We're always looking for people to help out, no matter how big or how small it is. And then remember that Easter Sunday is this Sunday. And I know it's been said again and again, but I'm going to say it again because I listened to Pastor last Sunday talk to three people and ask them to come to church with you. You'd be surprised at how many people will say yes. There are a lot of people in our community that do not have a church home. And they would love to be invited to a church service. And I think that something like Easter would be a lot easier for you to get somebody to come to to start off with here at Woodland. So three people. How many? Three people. (laughs) Just ask them. You never know. Finally, in Galatians 5.13, it says, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. Every member of every church should be serving in some way. And every servant of the Lord should remember that it's more than just serving others. It's loving them. Loving them and serving them. And that's what it means to serve God. Lord God, I just thank you for this night and I just thank you for everybody that's come here and I just pray, Lord, that we'll continue to serve you well and serve you with our love and with our whole hearts. And I pray that you'll continue to help us serve others, Lord. I just pray that uh, that we'll be able to serve each other with love and compassion and that we can serve our community and that we can be an outreach to our community and go out and talk to people and love people and serve people. And I pray for the church, Lord God, this weekend. I pray for our Good Friday service. I pray, Lord, that people will come and they will worship you and love you and I pray for Easter extravaganza Lord on Saturday I just pray that so many people will come in from the community all these families will come in and they'll get to know who we are as a church and what we believe and that they're going to come here with their families and they're going to have fun
1: with everything that
0: we have going on Lord and I especially pray for Easter Sunday Lord God I pray that you will bring somebody in here that that doesn't know you, Father, and they can hear your word, Lord. And I pray for Pastor Clanton as he prepares for his messages this weekend, Lord God. I just pray that you will guide him into what to say and what to say out of your word, Lord God. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Well done. Good message. Stand with me tonight if you would. You know, I would love it if you would share with me the people you're inviting. Just send their names. One individual in our church has already invited five people and one atheist that they have befriended that is going to be here with us on Sunday morning. And we're praying we're going to have more first-time guests than ever before. We're praying that God's going... I've been praying for a tithe off of them, and somebody came up to me today and says, "Pastor, I'm praying for 75 percent of them." And so I was like, "I'm going to go with your faith. You know, I'm just going to tag along with you." But let's pray that'll be the new normal, and that the love of Jesus will be revealed. Now, Friday night, Friday night is a very special service at Woodland. It always has been. We'll gather for a 75-minute service here. We'll worship. We'll take communion together. There's a special presentation on Jesus' betrayal that will take place here on Saturday, not Friday night, and then I'll be preaching. Of course, you all know this place will be packed out with kids. The cleaning team will be in here in a big way on Saturday afternoon, getting ready for Sunday. But Saturday night, if you can, be here for that one hour of prayer on Saturday night while we see God's blessings upon the service Sunday. I don't think Sunday morning was an accident. I think God has been preparing us in prayer for what he's been doing. And so, and then Sunday, we're just going to, we're going to celebrate Christ is risen. Amen? Jesus, thank you for this great message that Keith has preached tonight. Lord, I see him growing more and more in your word and in the preaching ministry, and I see him, Lord, living it out and, Lord, serving you with his family. So I ask now your richest blessings, Father, upon the O'Connor family. I pray in Christ's name as we go to our houses tonight and our beds, Lord, would you let there be such an eagerness and excitement, Growing in us about what you're going to do at Woodland this weekend. For it's in Jesus' precious name I pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.